Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Deck Arts Podcast. Today, I'm here with Annalie McDonald, and we will be talking about the current exhibition at the Museum of Modern Art here in New York called Frank Lloyd Wright at 150, Unpacking the Archive, which is on through October 1st. So if you're in the city, you should go check it out. The exhibit marks the American architect's birth on June 8th, 1867, and it comprises 400, 450 works made from the 1890s through the 1950s, including architectural drawings, models, building fragments, films, TV broadcasts, print media, furniture, tableware, textiles, paintings, <laughs> photos, and scrapbooks. So there's a lot of good stuff there. And it's divided into 12 sections, and it's kind of chaotic, but everything sort of isn't chronological, but still makes sense, and it's really fun to walk through and see all the works he did, because it ranges from people riding carriages to the building to futuristic car buildings, (laughs) and it's really cool. So... um, the reason why we're doing this is Annalie worked at Taliesin this summer on the estate. Um, do you want to tell everyone what you were working on? Sure. So um, Taliesin is Frank Lloyd Wright's um, home, estate, studio, basically everything all in one in Wisconsin. And um, I was working there this summer in the K-12 education department. And basically my role was to um, help with the elementary level summer camps and so I spent a lot of time with 10 year olds and (laughs) we spent a lot of time talking about not only Taliesin and the estate but also everything that Frank Lloyd Wright designed and his concepts for not only architecture but city planning and lots of different um, areas that the the kids were able to apply to projects. And that's really interesting because it's also home to architectural students. Yes. Did they ever interact? Yeah. So my day-to-day was um, I would spend, like, the morning and the afternoon, the early afternoon at um, the camp, and then, which was actually housed down the road from Taliesin at another from Frank Lloyd Wright um, design building called the Wyoming Valley School. And I can talk about that too. Yeah. Um, which was designed in 1957. And it was the only elementary school that he designed that was built. And it was just really simple, octagonal shaped, um, three room schoolhouse that has these really amazing vaulted ceilings, lots of natural light. The only, I think we only turned the lights on maybe three days the entire summer when it was like particularly stormy or rainy and dark outside. It was just the way that he designed the building. You needed so little electricity to function, Um, which was great because at the time, um, electricity probably would have been pretty new to the area. It's very, very rural. And um, the area that it surfaces um had lots of um farming communities and things like that and so even now it's still extremely rural yeah and it's in spring green wisconsin which has 
Would you say like 16,000? 1,600. 1,600. Oh my gosh. Wow. Tiny. Right. (laughs) And it is, it's, it's the cutest little town and, um, it kind of has this amazing sort of arts community happening. Um, so not only is there Taliesin and, um, the sort of tourism and that, that brings in, but also, um, there's a really well-known, um, American Shakespeare production theater called um, the um, American Players Theater. And it's just, I went once and it is just like this incredible, you like hike up a hill and there's this outdoor theater and you watch A Midsummer Night's Dream. And for me, it was storming. And so they had to halt the production in the middle and like wait for the storm to pass a little bit. But yeah, so there's this whole community that kind of forms around APG, as they call it, and so, and then there's, like, this cool music venue that's in a barn, and so the area really comes alive in the summer, and it's interesting that it has such a, um, a vibrant summer, because that's when, that would have been the only time that Franklin Wright and his apprentices and the fellows, um, through the fellowship would have been there, because during the winter, they go to, um, Arizona to Taliesin West. Interesting, so I bet the summer season really started when he built the estate. I think maybe a little bit. Obviously, the area functions um, kind of independently from Taliesin, but I do think it's kind of woven into the fabric of um, spring green, and people come a lot of times just for that. And there's lots of buildings designed by his apprentices in in the village, too. Yeah, and there's a lot of other buildings on the estate also. Um, there's the Romeo and Juliet windmill. Mm, yeah. <laughs> the Tanny Dairy. Tanadary, yeah. Tanadary, the Hillside Home School, and the Midway Barns. Yes. So those are all still standing. All of those are still standing, yeah. And are people allowed to go see those when they're on the estate? Like, what encompasses, like, a tour? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, there's different levels of tours, but... For the full experience, you would do the estate tour, which is four hours. And, I mean, you have to keep in mind that Taliesin is 800 acres. And so it's a big area. And um, you start at the Visitor Center, which is actually um, an old restaurant that Franklin Wright designed that's now functioning as the Visitor Center. And you start at the hillsides. You shuttle over to the Hillside School, which was the first building that he designed there and um and that encompasses not only the school which he built for his two aunts who started a co-educational school um which was really really um kind of groundbreaking at the time because in the early at the turn of the century that really didn't happen um most education was you know separated by sex and also by subject so the boys wouldn't be learning the same thing as the girls and so um in this case the girls and the boys were both working in the shop and also you know learning math and learning to sew and things like that so um yeah it's kind of amazing um and so that was his first kind of foray into experimental architecture and the whole theme of that structure is breaking the box and so the kind of traditional Victorian houses with uh, and buildings with just really square walls he um, wanted to 
kind of turn that on its head and the structural supports of the building are kind of in in the inside and then it's cantilevered out in several places and there's you know huge windows that stretch from the floor all the way to the ceiling which would have been unheard of at the time and almost scary there's kind of a funny story about um someone someone's parents brought their child to go to the hillside school and they saw the windows and turned around because they thought it would be too dangerous to be inside a building that had floor to ceiling windows <laughs> um just seems unheard of but it looks like i mean from the exterior it looks like the building is being held up by windows when in actuality it's being held up by these interior supports but to someone with an untrained eye yeah, and especially back then, it probably right. didn't look safe at all. No, and it has just a totally different look than any buildings did at the time. Um, and then, so, sorry, in Simpson, then he's, um, he added it on the drafting studio and later a theater and a dining hall after um, the old gymnasium and auditorium burned down. Um, and so now it functions as the school for the um, school, the school of architecture at Taliesin, which is an MA or an MARC program. Yeah, yeah, that's a great place to study. I bet. Yeah, yeah, they're and you very live lucky. right there in the either you live in the hillside school. Some people live in the estate or like on the in the house, and some people live in random shelters <laughs> around <laughs> in the barn <laughs> yeah and we got to see some of those dorms when we were at the exhibit yeah it was cool um there's like a tiny twin bed like sort of built into this bookcase and there's a drafting table and a bench mm-hmm. so it just fits the needs really well it seemed like and then it was cool because you were explaining this to me I um it looked like there were just potted plants everywhere but actually it was um tree branches do you want to explain, like, that sort of tree imagery where it's yeah. still, like, ongoing? Right. And so one of there's a lot of traditions that the students had during Franklin Wright's time that are kind of continued today. And one of them is um, the area of the Hillside School is, um, is kind of surrounded by trees. And there's this whole tree imagery throughout the architecture both abstractly in um, sort of dark wooden beams that almost look like tree branches and tree trunks. Um, And then so the students sort of complement this by um, placing pine branches in the rafters of the various areas of the school. And um, nowadays they really only do it in the, in the dining hall, but um, because dining is a really big event sort of every day at Taliesin. But um, in this illustration, you can see them in the in the dorm rooms, which is funny. And then is the dining such a big deal? Because you also mentioned this while we were walking through the exhibit. Annalie was just pointing out facts to me, and it was <laughs> awesome to walk through with her. But she also said that she cooked while she was there. Yeah, so you have one of your duties as being a member of the Taliesin community is um, working in the kitchen. And that comes from Franklin Wright's philosophy of you can't design a kitchen if you don't know how to work in one. And so the fellows back in the 1930s worked in the kitchen. And um, to this day, all the interns and random people who get to eat with Italians and community have to perform kitchen duty. That's fun. Yeah, and it's smart. I mean, it's true. How yeah. would you know how it functioned if you've right. never been in one? Mm-hmm. Um, 
So was there a favorite building on the estate or in the area that you were drawn to? So this is um, a somewhat unpopular opinion, but I really love the building Tanadary. And, oh, I don't know about unpopular, but it definitely has the best view of the entire estate. It's kind of sitting up on a hill and you can see the... um, the Taliesin House really well from there and sort of just the valley or in the Wyoming River Valley and so or the um, Wisconsin River Valley and it's also called the Wyoming Valley and so um, it's just really hilly and these um, big Welsh hills are in the background and they're just really beautiful and the estate is kind of sprawling in front of you Um, but the house was recently renovated and we had like kind of the ribbon cutting while I was there and um, it's a it, he built it for his sister and her family, and um, she told him that she wanted a house, not an experiment. And so um, it's more of a traditional house, but it still has the like Frank Lloyd Wright sort of je ne sais quoi to it. And it's um, the restoration is really beautiful, and um, yeah, it's now it's kind of like a flex space where um, it kind of forms as a classroom and there's a basement that's um that's like a really functional space and then the upstairs is kind of restored um as a place for people to stay and um it's really beautiful yeah that's really neat too that um she asked him to do that yeah it's it's a funny (laughs) little anecdote I think because he definitely got he could run away with his ideas and his wife, so when we talk about his wife, um, Olga Vanna, who is his final wife, who outlived him, um, there there are a lot of changes that she made to the house, the Taliesin house, and um, now, even now, they're still kind of working on reversing those changes, but it was, we always joke that, you know, after he died, she was like, finally, I can do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. You could tell that when we were walking through the exhibit, too. Um, there was one section that was, like, e- ecology or ecological and landscapes, and it was plans of markets that someone had sent him, and then he had done the building for by um, someone named Davidson. And then there were these huge, like, circles and um, with, like, different crop names in them. Like, it had nothing to do really with architecture. It was really about farming, which was really interesting. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that was an interest of his. But then you can Mm -hmm. sort of see that branch off into um, his designs, like the cloverleaf houses and the um, St. Mark's Tower kind of in New York where it's like more like community, communal living spaces. Right. And I think that Taliesin was sort of, his ongoing experiment about community living because there were so many people living there and for the most part it was self-sustaining. So it had farming, it had vegetable gardens, it had vineyards, it had, um, you know, animals and equipment and everything sort of was right there. And so all the architecture students, when they weren't working or, you know, drafting and doing various (laughs) things like that, they were in the fields working on the farm. And so do they still have animals and farms today? So the farm still exists. There aren't animals um, full-time there. They sometimes bring in cattle to graze and things like that. But um, 
that's kind of a long-term goal is to bring animals back to Taliesin, but um, now, but it is a fully functioning farm and it's all organic. And a lot of the times the food that we ate came right from the farm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And so do, so you were saying it didn't used to be a year-round residence. So, but people people are now. So a few people live there year-round, but, um, the architecture students and some members of the community um, migrate, just as Franklin Wright and his apprentices did. Um, they spend May through October in Wisconsin, and then October through May in Arizona at Taliesin West. So he built Taliesin West in, I believe, 1937. And that was because his doctor said, you know, you're getting older and it's best for your health if you spent the winters away from Wisconsin in somewhere, a more warm, dry climate. And so, yeah. Wow, that would be the life. <laughs> right? I know. <laughs> I wish I had that life. So when we were walking through, I just am curious, did you have a favorite section of the exhibit or something that you had read about at Taliesin that you were like, I can't believe I saw that in person. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm really glad that I got to see some of the models. I hadn't seen any of his models um, in person yet. There was the Guggenheim model. There were a few other ones. um, And it really was incredible to see. I mean, those are made by hand from materials that they probably just had laying around. He was very thrifty, actually, when building, and you can kind of see it in some of the furniture at Taliesin that's made from, like, old plywood, from old boxes and things like that, but crafted in this really beautiful, innovative way. But, um, yeah, and so just kind of seeing the detail and the handwork that went into making those models as well as, um, obviously, precision and ingenuity. (laughs) Yeah, they're definitely also very impressive in scale. Mm -hmm. They're not sort of what you would think today architectural models are they're very large right and ornate Mm -hmm. in their appearance um they're like finished works of art themselves yeah Yeah. Yeah, they really are especially I think the coolest one we saw was you said it earlier this the Madison Civic Center also known as the um, yeah Uh, the Monona Terrace yeah that one it had gold (laughs) cars it had futuristic, like, um, fountains. So do you want to explain that project? Because you actually met the man who designed it or helped design it. Yeah. So Tony um, was a member of the Taliesin community. He was a fellow um, with Franklin Wright, and he did a lot of the work for the design for the Monona Terrace because that was sort of towards the end of Franklin Wright's life. Um And so he would have just been a young man at that time. And unfortunately, he passed away while I was at my internship. But um, it was kind of amazing to see um, just, like, the the number, the generations that um, existed at Taliesin. So there's, you know, the elderly people who've been there since um, Mr. Wright himself was there. And then there's children who work there. My um, supervisor has five boys and they all live on the estate and so it's kind of amazing in various ages but yeah it sounds like a really great experience too um you were saying how since you work ate and lived there like in the town and on the estate it 
you never really got away from learning about everything. Mm. And it was true because she would we would be walking <laughs> through one section, she'd be like, and this over here, and then she'd like say a ton of facts about it, and I was like writing, and I was like, okay, like we need to get to this, and we need to get to this. But it's just really cool. Did you feel like everyone there was very passionate about being there? Definitely. It's, it is really just like, I still feel, this is going to sound a little bit corny, but I still feel like he's alive at Taliesin. Like, it's, everyone there is there because they just love Franklin Wright, and they love architecture, and they love being in, at Taliesin, and it is kind of amazing to be at a place that everyone is just really happy that they're there. And, no, and everyone just knows that no one else can really understand what it's like until you yeah, so if you're a Frank Lloyd Wright fan, you haven't been, you should probably go. Yeah, it's one of his less visited sites, actually, which is kind of crazy when you think about, like, this is the room where he designed the Guggenheim Museum. Like, this is the room where he came up with the ideas for falling water. And, like, those huge, really well-known Frank Lloyd Wright um, structures had their birth at Taliesin, and... Yeah, and there's only, you were saying there's only 20,000 visitors about? 20,000 about visitors a year. Is it open year-round, or does it close when everyone leaves? It does close for um, seasonally. Um, the tours, they I think they occasionally have weekend tours in the off-season, but it's hard because Wisconsin winters are pretty rough, and the house itself is not insulated in the way that would be comfortable for a lot of visitors um which is a work in progress always and you know um yeah it makes sense if he wasn't going to be staying there he probably didn't think in the future I should make this available for tourists oh totally (laughs) I mean it was and he was just constantly adding on and constantly changing it it really was like his architectural experiment and it wasn't perfect the way that some of his other designs are I mean the stonework that you see is by someone who's an amateur who's learning how to do stonework and so it you know it's constantly like this learning environment of um architectural experiment wow (laughs) that sounds fun I really want to go I think I'm gonna make a trip when the season you is up again. Go. I everyone should go and everyone there is so nice and just loves Frank. <laughs> As he's known. Um yeah. so since you are just so well versed in Frank Lloyd Wright. Oh my gosh. What is your opinion on the exhibit? Like after we walked through today when we went so we went to MoMA today, um, and we walked through for like about an hour. What what was your, like, what did you think? What was your, like, thoughts going through? Well, there was a lot to see. I mean, you said it was 450 works, and it was really busy. It's a weekday afternoon. Um, I definitely feel like I need to go back to get the full experience. Um, but, I mean, it was amazing to see all of these plans for houses and buildings that I had heard about or I didn't know much about and to see them in the flesh and see his you can literally see his hand and creating the letters and the strokes of the colored pencils and things like that which he did use colored pencils there's prismacolors I think 
yeah. But um, I I really appreciated just the breadth of of the um, of the exhibition, and I wanted to know more. I, I mean, I feel like a lot of times I was looking for a little placard and it wasn't there and I was like wait I know more about this than they've said or something like that which um obviously the curators have to make really careful decisions about what information they um they pose in the exhibition and what they present to the public but um yeah when I I got used to just having endless information coming from the tours and things like that at Taliesin yeah so, yeah. So I recommend it, though. I mean, yeah. to get a good idea of just, like, how different and just to get the idea of the progression of how his style evolved and stayed innovative and was really just he was just full of endless creativity. Yeah, it was cool the way they did it because it wasn't done chronologically, which was nice. Mm-hmm. It was done more in. Um, categorizing his works that he had done. So there was, like, the Imperial Hotel in Tokyo. There was the Ecology and Landscapes one. Um, And then there were... Like the circular geometry. Yeah, circular geometry. And so it was categories like that where you saw um, this sort of the same drawing maybe in two different categories. And they didn't... Because they don't all fit. And he was just so well-rounded in his designs that it was just cool to see it that way. It was a new way of seeing architectural drawings. It wasn't really so much a retrospective as like, these were his ideas and this is what he was thinking. So you kind of got into his mind when you were walking through, which is nice if you don't know a ton about him, Mm -hmm. but it's also nice if you do know a ton about him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's always interesting to curate in a museum and an architect's work because you are limited to drawings and models because the actual works are huge buildings that are scattered (laughs) throughout the country and throughout the world and to try to present that to a museum audience is a challenge but I think they did a good job yeah it's amazing I highly recommend I also highly recommend looking into Taliesin and all of other Frank Lloyd Wright's (laughs) buildings um, and I want to thank Anne-Lee for coming on the podcast and blessing us with her knowledge of Frank Lloyd Wright because <laughs> oh it was amazing. And um, I will be posting all of the website links to these so people can find all the links to go visit Taliesin and everything. So thank you for coming on. Thank you. Bye, guys.